Hey, I'm Craig Finn. This is my podcast. It's called That's How I Remember It. I started doing this last year because I was interested in the intersection of memory and creativity. So I started having conversations with different artistic people about their memories and how their life experiences affected the stories they told others as well as the stories they told themselves. I found out that I enjoyed it, so I kept doing it. We've now had two seasons of this podcast, about 20 episodes. I've been lucky enough to host some of my favorite musicians, writers, and actors. Today, my guests are my bandmates in the Hold Steady. We've been playing in this band for 20 years now. The lineup has changed slightly a few times over the years, but this current six-piece lineup of the band is now the longest running, so we can call this the classic THS lineup. <laughs> we just released our ninth album, The Price of Progress, a month or so ago, and overall, it's been quite a journey. I'm happy to have these guys here to speak about what they might remember about all of it. This is the only second time we've done the podcast live, and this is the first time we've had more than one guest. Uh, so thanks for being a part of this history. A huge thanks to the show bar here at Revolution Hall in Portland, Oregon for hosting us. Um, now, as I said, the challenge of doing this as a group is, you know, not all talking over each other. We're, we're, we're both talking to the group here assembled live today, but we're hoping to uh, create something that we can play um, uh, for the podcast later. So to start, I'm going to try to direct traffic a little bit um, the best I can. However, if you have something to say, please say it and don't uh, don't be too polite you can yell out there is editing um <laughs> that said i want to start this out very clean um I, I i open up the podcast each of these podcasts with the same question and i'm interested in a yes or no answer from each of you on this question and only a yes or no to start uh so uh no elaboration etc i'm gonna say your name and you give me a yes or no the question is this, do you consider yourself to have a good memory, Steve? Yes. Galen? Decidedly no. That's two words. Sorry. <laughs> Tad? No. Bobby? No. Franz? No. Um, well, good night. Um, there you have it. I mean, I, I will say that one of the reasons I'm interested in this topic is I consider myself to have a very good memory. And uh, these guys, Lena, uh, often ask me questions about things that have happened. So I, I don't want anyone to be uh, intimidated um, uh, uh, about memory stuff. But uh, Steve, late. you said you had a good memory. Yeah. 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 Uh, what do you think is the uh, best part of your memory? Like, what do you think is the things you remember better than other people? Um, minutia, technical details, kind of things. Uh, would that be like guitar stuff, guitar, record stuff, record stuff? Yeah. I mean, that, that's a fairly common answer of um, the people I've had on the podcast. Musicians seem to really um, get into um, stats, and uh, yeah. But but Galen, I know you're. I mean, you're a baseball fan. I feel like it would extend your baseball memory. Seems pretty good to me. So, I, yeah. Yeah. Stats, that kind of thing. Uh, but it's uh, yeah, it's all it's all memory stuff that doesn't really serve me well in actual life. Well, I, that, I mean, that's what everyone, almost every. Uh, uh, first of all, when I started this podcast, I thought every writer would say, "I have a great memory, and I'm telling the real story," and that's absolutely not been the case. Um, but I have had this answer quite a bit of people who were like, "Well, my my memory really works well for." Uh, small details, ar arcana, etc. Um, all right. Well, Tad, are there sense like when you you said you don't have a good memory, but are there when you do remember things? Are there senses um, that are more likely to trigger memory, taste, smell, etc.? Yes. Um, one thing that I think in and like you, I, you were somebody I think that has a very good memory, especially when it comes to uh, like whether it's details, the geography of things, people's names, which I'm like never been, you know, very good at. But uh, using you as kind of the maybe the bar and or 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 somebody that has a better than average memory. Mm -hmm. um, 
I'm impressed with your ability to sort of recall the the specific details of things. But I think one thing that I do well is I can remember maybe circumstances around sort of what was happening and why. And rather than, than very specific details, um, and I don't know if this is like the way the memory works with uh, like the prefrontal cortex of the details of it or the overall uh, thing with, that's stored in the hippocampus. Like I, I, pick, I pick stuff up and I'll smell it. Sorry, I did, did I lose you already? Fuck. That's a totally yeah. reasonable word to use. Yeah, that, that's, that's the first, uh, first use of that word on this podcast. Two, two seasons. What, what, what did I say? Hippocampus. Hippocampus. <laughs> uh, whatever. Dude, totally into it. Uh, it out. But, uh, or, or weird details. I was thinking about this. I could probably, if we had to, get up and get through six lifter polar songs in the bass, which I haven't played. We haven't played in a very long time. I don't know why I'm able to remember that. Right. Um, but I couldn't tell you, you know, like where we played last month, really. I'd have to, like, where were we? You know? So I go, I know that one thing that helps me is, is connecting some kind of sensory thing to it. I smell everything, which mm -hmm. is really, which looks creepy. <laughs> you know, like we were in a guitar store yesterday and I was trying out this amp and grabbed a guitar that I wanted to use. And the first thing I did when I picked it up was like, I kind of held it up to my face and like it took a deep breath. Like, oh, who's, get this guy out of here. Um, but there's some kind of connection to that. And then the experience sort of starts to uh, take shape and I'm able to recall like something about it. I don't know. I, I have a, like a light thing where, where if different light, um, the light of a day, like for instance, like California light is different than Minnesota. And there was, a, uh, we've been here for a few days and it's been so beautiful. And the way the light was hitting the sidewalk, I was on a walk like yesterday. It really reminded me of home of Minneapolis. And I was, I it was, it's hard to explain. It's something I can't really put, but there's certain light things that really are evocative to me. Uh, and I don't have a good sense of smell or anything, but that that's one that people don't say that often when I ask, but light to me is, is really the light the quality. Most. Light quality, yeah, is really, um, is really uh, triggering of, for memories to me. I have a, on that, you know, when you're talking about learning lifter puller songs, or, or, you know, being able to play. Bobby, here's a question for you. When you are, um, you know, working on, you know, we, like for instance, we just put out a record. We have, uh, we're, you know, you, you put out a record, and you record it in the studio and it comes together. But then it gets to this point where we're kind of playing some of the songs live. And you're kind of learning them again a little bit, right? I mean, I, I assume uh, we all are. And how do you remember songs? Is it pure just repetition? Or do you, do you draw a map in your mind, et cetera? Uh, there's some map drawings. Uh, <laughs> but yes, repetition is the best way for myself to retain just, just playing it over the, and over. The jams, yeah. Just like keep drilling it in my head, like kind of military style. How about Franz? How about you? Do you is it the same for you? Or I mean, you, you are you write a little more notes, I think. I write a little. Can I ask? Can I can I ask Bobby a follow up question? Yeah. One of the things that always fascinates me about about what you're able to do is like to finish is the tempo stuff. Like we finish yeah. a song in one tempo, and immediately you're counting off another song at a totally different correct tempo. Yeah. How do you? How do you? How do you do that? That's the big guy upstairs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I have that's no a, idea. That's a great question. Yeah. But you you must pause and sort of hear it in your head. Yeah, there's a, a moment of breath you need to take, you know? And quiet the mind. Yeah. Quiet the and mind. proceed. Yeah. Um, how about you, Franz? You write, you write yeah, some Yeah, I, I write a lot of stuff down because I have a very bad memory. Uh -huh. uh, and my memory is... I've discovered as I get older, my memory of things, especially from 10, 15 years ago, is completely unreliable. Um, and my memory of, of the, like the songs and stuff, yeah, I keep, I, I, I keep little notebooks as we're writing and then little note cards in various places. And, you know, I try to... I try to you got a good I, cheat sheet. I got cheat sheets. I got, you know, like... <clears throat> 
I heard somewhere that Chuck Lavelle has the book of all the chords of all the Rolling Stones songs. I was like, oh, we should have that. And so I have that for a bunch of the Hold Steady stuff. And, um, I, you know, I try to, I try to condense the cheat sheets as they, you know, from, from like a full on cheat sheet to maybe just the one section that's always really hard. Like, um, you know, for a long time in Weekenders, I just needed like the couple chords of the, of the guitar solo. Cause I it just, for whatever reason, it wouldn't stick, but, uh, you know, eventually they do. And once they're, di- once they're there, it's hard to dislodge, but, but it takes me a while. I, I have a hard time rem- memorizing. Right on. I, I'm going to keep down here. Uh, Franz, again, what do you, do you have a first memory of music, like in your life, like the first reaction you had, to, like music around your house or anything? Do you have, do you have anything early you can point to? Yeah, I saw Yitzhak Perlman on Sesame Street. Um, <laughs> that's sort of the origin story. And then I asked my parents if I could play violin and they, and they hooked it up. Oh yeah. And that's, and that's, and you started on violin until when? I started on violin when I was five, and then I started playing piano when I was six, and French horn when I was nine, and those were the first ones, yeah. Galen, do you have an early music memory that you can think of? I, I still have, uh, I feel cold every time I hear Willie Nelson, yeah. um, in that my, the only turntable on the floor of our house is in my room, and my mother was a school teacher, so she would wake up at 5.30 in the morning and put Willie Nelson on and be like, snowed last night you got to go shovel so I don't, that's you know that's not on willie nelson i love willie nelson but it's still there's like a there's a there's a weird it i, I can feel like the wisconsin cold when i hear willie nelson which is and he's texan so that's kind of weird that that's a that's a, okay so that's a that's a, a, a that leads me to a question I, I like asking um is there and i open this up to the group is there anyone who has a, a, a some art um a song, a movie, a TV show, a painting that um, that a real life event has given them a bad reaction to. I mean, the obvious example would be like a, a song, a breakup song, you know, like like I don't like that song because it reminds me of uh, et cetera. Galen obviously has Willie Nelson. Uh, it's not, it's not that traumatizing. I mean, I, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't have to be awful. I mean, is there something that just people say like I, the reason I'm interested in this is sort of the idea of, of a memory, um, you know, because you go out and you write your song and it's about, you know, love or something, you know, meeting meeting someone in, on the beach and then someone else is like. I failed out of college and that song was playing and it'll always remind me of that. And so does anyone have that? Bad Brains Quickness, that album? Yeah. Uh, yes, it was my first car. I had a, uh, a 66 Biscayne, like kind of an Impala. And I, that was the only tape I had in there for a very long time. <laughs> and anytime I hear any song off of Quickness, I can like smell gas. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or, or exhaust or that kind of old like leaded fuel car smell that's that's a good one I, that's actually the uh second time bad brains quickness has come up on this podcast wow. uh it just came up in the last episode um because uh we were talking about um cd kind of transitioning from vinyl to cds in the late 80s early 90s and that was the first cd i purchased was the bad brains wow. quickness so soulcraft. uh soulcraft is the first song yeah yeah uh, anyone else on that? I do. Yeah, what's that? Um, so, uh, th- these guys have probably heard the story before. Um, I have this memory of, like, no one really told me what the first grade was. They just dropped me off at school. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> Good luck, kid. Yeah, I was just like, this place stinks. Like, literally. But so, and then it was just my memory of, like, the 70s was everything was kind of brown, like the Naughty Pine kitchen that we had. And and it just was raining and I was having to go to this place that I didn't understand or wanted to go to. And then my mom had like the white clock radio in the kitchen and it was tuned to the AM station and it was just like, the leader of the band is tired. And I'm just like, and I'm just like oh, fuck. <laughs> so like when I hear that or Super Tramp, I'm just like, oh. Is that Fogelberg? Fogelberg, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hard times, man. <laughs> that, I, okay, so this is not. Uh, no, uh, that's uh, uh, Gordon Lightfoot is is the uh, Edmund Fitzgerald. This is sort of a related question to that. Um, is there ever been a song? There, there, actually, 
Rob Sheffield, who um, is a Hold Steady fan and, and, and a friend, uh, has written some great books on music. And there's a couple, he, he does a great job of, um, he mentions um, going to college, and he was from the Boston area. So he thought kind of the classic three big bands were the Beatles, the Stones, and Jay Giles band. <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, he also talks about this song, uh, Wiggle It. Does anyone remember Wiggle It? It's a, uh, it was like a top 40 song, Wiggle It, just a little bit. If, and I relate to Rob, because he was saying if you lived where he lived, which I think at the time was Charlottesville, Virginia, and listen to this one radio station, you were convinced it was the biggest thing since Michael Jackson's Thriller. And I remember thinking that was like a number one song for sure. And then somehow it kept coming up and no one knew what it was. Um, it just, I think I was at home that summer watching The Box. Remember The Box? I, it was on The Box a lot. Um, anyways, does it, and I, so I have a song um, that I remember from my youth. And it's, um, I had to, uh, and I thought I imagined it uh, because I never heard of it, but it always was in my head. And um, I walked around with it in my head for a long time, and I'd ask people sometimes, and they never knew what it was. Um, and then I, I sort of forgot about it for a while, but when the internet came out, I figured... <laughs> came out. I mean... <laughs> It was in my head for a long time. I'll always remember where I was on yeah. release day of the internet. <laughs> when, when I realized, well, I realized, I guess the better way of saying it is I realized there was a, um, an application for this. Uh, and I could put in the parts I remembered and lyrics. Right. And I found it. And it's a song um, by a guy called Gene Cotton and it's called Like a Sunday in Salem. Does anyone know this song? Um, uh, yeah, well, it, it exists. Uh, this, this brings up a good point. It, it was really played on KS95 radio a lot um, for a very, obviously a very uh, important time in my life, and that was my, what my dad would listen to in the car. And it was, uh, it was, you know, a soft rock song. It would be like, it was a lights out television show there was. Amos and Andy on the radio, and you can you can Google the rest. But uh, uh, does anyone ever had that like a, a ghost song? Ghost. Uh, well, uh, uh, oh boy, when it's super quiet, like whether I'm outside working or you know like it's nighttime, there's sometimes I think I can hear music. Uh -huh. I better. Just, I think they that, call that, that tinnitus. Crazy as hell. Yes. Um, <laughs> And, I, and obviously, I, I don't, but I wonder, like, if that's, uh, uh, yeah, right? <laughs> um, uh, it, it, you know, sometimes I, it's like, oh, is that me trying to, like, be creative? Am I, am I like, working on something? Or is there actually, like, should I see somebody and <laughs> make sure that nothing's really going on there? Um, but like when you talk about how we remember things, like we, it, it's, isn't it all linked to sort of the we've all got these sort of stories that we that inform sort of how we think about things or give us perspective on on like who we are and who in relation to everybody else, um, it, which aren't all, always fact. I feel like especially today, facts are less important yeah and and it's more about the story that you're trying to get across well this is what i mean this is really the sort of the heart of why i started the podcast was this idea of we build these stories sometimes on shaky foundations and they cannot just be the stories we tell everyone else they can oftentimes be the stories we tell ourselves that's yeah and that's specifically more it's yeah and that's when i okay so here's this leads me to this question is there anything that you maybe think you've remembered inaccurately, um, I guess in general, but I'm, I'm interested in specifically about the band. And I'm going to give you an example in my own life. I think I was saying this last night, but I recently had a sort of a trove of uh, press that I'd kept from uh, way back in the band. And I, I was carrying around in a big tub and it was too heavy. So I said, oh, I have a scanner. I'm going to scan the pertinent stuff and then get rid of all these magazines and stuff. 
And when I went through, and it's a lot of reviews and articles from Boys and Girls in America, Separation Sunday era. When I went through, I found them to be less effusive. Um, <laughs> in, that, in that when you read them, they never said, this is awesome. But however, this is in an era where magazines were bigger. And so the, the mere fact that you were in Rolling Stone or you were in Spin Magazine was sort of a stamp of approval in itself. It almost said that the you know we're covering this because it's good. But it never said it's also awesome. It just said, this exists and you should know about it. Um, <laughs> the other thing that I found in that box was some posters for the first time we went to England. And um, the ticket prices were shockingly low. Um, <laughs> to the point, not just like, wow, that was a long time ago or that's inexpensive, but you know, just being able to do numbers a little bit, being like, oh man, the label must have made quite an investment into that because, I mean, it was like five pounds, you know? Um, and we were traveling around Europe for, for weeks and, you know, staying in hotels and renting equipment and putting, I, it just, it, 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 the numbers just at a glance didn't add up. And that was something I'd sort of forgotten about that, that there was, it was a different era and there was a label and we were gonna sell records if it went well, so they were willing to front this. And uh, you know, that's sort of a business-wise something that uh, may have gone by the wayside in the Spotify era. But um, anyways, those are two examples. Does anyone else have anything like that they've kind of recontextualized about the band? I, the band, especially because it's obviously such a massive part of my life, I feel less and less confident about uh, it, you know what I remember or, or what actually happened. And I've actually been thinking about a way, like how how do you sort of hold on to the truth of it? You know, because that's ju you just need data or facts, or because because you know there's so much confirmation bias in everything, and how I remember it is, quite frankly, how I want to remember it. Sure. And that has nothing to do with what actually happened. <laughs> how about you, Franz? I have a concrete example of this, which is that we we played that uh, that Carnegie Hall thing, the Springsteen tribute. Yeah. Um, this was in 2007 or eight or something, and. Um, we're walking off the stage, and this is one of those things I think where it's just like heightened feeling can distort uh, your memories. Probably, you know, it was it was sort of like very triumphant thing, and we look off into the into the wings, and and Springsteen is there, and we've just played really well, and we walked off, and I think there was a woman who was working at the show that was handing out flowers to us as we came off, and it, for some reason I had conflated that in my memory that Bruce had handed me a rose. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm pretty sure I've told people that story, and, I, and it was like, that d totally didn't happen. That's yeah. not a thing that happened. Yeah, I, I actually saw um, uh, a photo, or a, not a photo, but a poster of that night. And um, we were there with a bunch of artists, but you know, when we walked off stage, Springsteen was there, and it erased my memory of every other artist that was in the building. And geez, there were a lot of great people there that night. I, you know, like looking back, it was Patti Smith and it was Steve Earle and it was... Um, Josh Ritter was there. Josh Ritter, uh, did you, uh, Ronnie Spector. North Mississippi All-Stars? Uh, a lot of great... Were they there? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, I think they were. There was a lot of great things, but all of a sudden Springsteen comes and it's just like wipes yeah. this plate clean, I, you know? Seeing pictures of that now, we look fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, whoa, what was going on? So, The Price of Progress, our ninth album. Um, I love doing this. I went and checked historically for some other great al ninth albums um, in the history of rock and roll. We are putting this up against ACDC's Flick of the Switch, Aerosmith's Permanent Vacation, Cheap Tricks, The Doctor, um, <laughs> Kiss, Music for the Elder. Whoa. No bad jams. Metallica, Death Magnetic. Wow. Motley Crue, Saints of Los Angeles. 
Rush Signals, Van Halen for unlawful carnal knowledge. Gets a little better here. The Who Face Dances. So. <laughs> Pink Floyd, Wish You Were Here. Rolling Stones, Beggar's Banquet. Well, okay. Beatles Magical Mystery Tour. That's it's hard to count, what, but let's say that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I just don't know where to which albums to count. You right. know what well, I mean? When you get into these singles, exactly, yeah. exactly. Right, right. Similar, uh, the Kinks, the Percy soundtrack, um, and I, I was mainly looking at bands, but I'll just say uh, David Bowie's Young Americans and Elton John's Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy. Galen, which of the above-mentioned albums do you think The Price of Progress most resembles? <laughs> Yikes. Uh, Signals was a bit of a departure for Rush, I would say, but I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't say this new record is like a big, I don't think it's like an artistic reinvention of any kind. Well, I wouldn't uh, say it would, Signals was either. I mean, it was... It was, it was kind of synth-heavy for right. the, you know... Uh, I guess I know more about Rush than I care to admit, but uh, um, it, I think you mentioned Disintegration at oh, some is, point was the ninth is that Cure the ninth record. Is the eighth? Is that I, the ninth? Okay, I, I think don't it's know. It's the ninth. Is it, okay, Disintegration by the Cure just kind of beat most of those. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I would, I would, I would love to say it's our, it's our Young Americans, but uh, I, uh, that seems like a bit of a stretch. Is it our Magical Mystery Tour? <laughs> I I would love to see him in kind of bunny ears or something. I don't know. It's not it's not it's not a very whimsical record. I don't well, think. Maybe not. I mean, I you know I I was looking at it and I thought it is you know I think as far as our records go maybe one of the more cinematic and in in that case maybe the Percy soundtrack by the Kinks. I can't. I'm a big Kinks fan, but I can't say I'm familiar. with I that think record, God's though. Children's on that, right? Uh, okay. I believe. Anyways, okay. anyone else uh, want to draw a parallel and don't say Cheap Trick the Doctor, please. <laughs> Uh, I didn't even I, know. I what don't that even was. know that record. Yeah, I, I didn't even like, know what, what that was. Um, yeah. Um, all right. So here's a, here's a historically fascinating question. I think. Oh, let me have a, a clarifying question first. Bobby, have you ever, did you ever see the hold steady before you were in it? No. No. Okay. No, sir. All right. So that puts Steve and Franz, who have both um, put uh, had time. In, in and out of the band. Um, Steve, you uh, saw the Hold Steady and played some shows with the Hold Steady uh, before you were ever in the band. Actually, with, with two different bands, uh, with yeah. the Secret Service and the Bloodthirsty Lovers. Do you, what, 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 what's a memory of that? Um, our, your reputation preceded you, um, <laughs> both in behavior and lyrical content. Um, <laughs> And so, is uh, <laughs> that the night you threw up? Huh? Is that the night you threw up, or or you kind of spit up? I should say rather. <sighs> Re really? <I> did, <laughs> um, no, that was. Let it all hang out here. That was a, that was in Memphis. That was. Okay, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember where you saw the first thing we saw. Um, I mean, it, it was the art space in Birmingham, right? No. Yeah, or the Earl? I, I don't know. Is um, it the Earl? No, that sounds right. Maybe we're it, it in Birmingham. Was, I, I believe it was Birmingham. Because um, I remember Where all we the, had the whiskey thing. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. but because we had already sort of really. Yeah, because See, all that's the, like all, I don't. I know. I know nothing. All the like, CMJ was after that and okay, stuff. Okay. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it was it, it was my first you know uh, time of seeing you, mm -hmm. you know, and it was like that was a specific thing, and uh, my, my my biggest memory, uh, and I'm not trying to like you know get any favors or anything but my big i tell a story all the time my biggest memory is like i got a copy of sep sunday and i was just looking at the you know liner notes or whatever and i don't often do this because i'm a dumb guitar player but um i remember just reading the lyrics you know the, the printed lyrics and i was just like jesus christ this is amazing you yeah, know i hand wrote all those it was a nightmare really yeah wow um so yeah that's that's that, that was my takeaway from the first time seeing it and Franz, this is, I mean, I think this is kind of a fascinating thing. After you were not in the band, I believe you saw us one time in Toronto. Is that correct? Yeah, I came, I came to the show in Toronto. And where was that? At the Phoenix? Yeah, maybe. It was a, yeah. And what was that theater. like? It was, I, it was, it was weird yeah. for all kinds of reasons. Um, yeah, I, 
I guess I had never seen a, a Hold Steady show that, I mean, even in the early years, the first time I saw the Hold Steady was come, I was, I was going to jump up and play a couple songs. Yeah. Um, honestly, it looked, y'all looked dour. <laughs> which was, which had, I was going to say, it's not surprising. Maybe. <laughs> I'm not sure that's surprising at the yeah. time. Um, which wasn't what I expected. You know, everybody was in black and, 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 uh, Everybody except Craig was sort of a little, a little like this. Yeah, um, that's what I remember. Could of it. be. T- I mean, I think of that era as being tired. Uh, yeah, which dour and tired are are, are, are close, <laughs> are bedfellows, I guess. Right. What year was it? You remember? Twenty fourteen, probably. It was T Dreams tour. Oh, was it T Dreams? Was it that late? It, mu- it was. I was living in Toronto. Uh, yeah, it would have been 2014, probably okay, yeah. fall of 2014. Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah. I remember being earlier than that. Because wasn't it the, the Phoenix was like, there was a gigantic raccoon out back? Uh. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This trash panda was like huge. Toronto has, to, Toronto has the largest population of urban raccoons. <laughs> <laughs> Just a fun fact for you. I don't know. It was it was cheap girls opening. If that helps. Okay. Yeah, that was 2014. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I could see that being dour and tired. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. Yeah, that was. Yeah. I mean, I my takeaway was like it was. It didn't look like there was a lot of fun that I was missing out on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you time things pretty well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna take a break here. You guys go do your thing. I'll be back later. You know, circling back to like what I'll you jump on when it's fun again. Remembered wrong, like. Like 2011, 2012 is really murky for me because we were kind of, we were sort of writing teeth dreams, but there weren't a lot of marker posts, right. you know. Um, and so I think having enduring, endured that, we might have been a little shop worn at that point. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I, I have, um, well, I want to talk about that for a second because, you know, one of the things I remember, I really remember, clue in on memory wise, is geography and like venues and. I feel like when you're changing your venue, you know, on tour, traveling, even doing these residencies, there's a change of scenery that makes me really kind of lock into things like that happened there. For that reason, I've talked to other guests on this podcast, studio memories, studio, you don't make a lot of memories in the studio. You, uh, you work, you know, you don't, you go to the same place every day. Um, you know, and I look back on Boys and Girls and Stay Positive, which were recorded in the uh, same studio with the same people. I don't, I can't, I don't really, I can't differentiate them in my mind. They, they all, all those memories are kind of together, being in that space with those people. So I'm talking about the price of progress here. Does anyone have a memory from the actual making of the record that's not uh, that's not musical. Like I, I nailed that one part. Yeah, I, you know? Know. I, I know where this is going. <laughs> but no. But I mean, because I, I, I don't. To be honest, I I, I, I remember. Can't, I, ta- I can't even. Ta- oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we want to. <laughs> I don't know if we want to talk about this. Come on. Literal people. trigger warning. Come yeah, on. yeah. Come on. It was the only. It was the only record we made where there were guns involved. Yeah. Yeah. There was a. Uh, there was a shooting of guns and shooting, yes. of, guitars. shooting of guitars. Yeah. yeah. We put, yeah. So we we were like we, it's it's in a rural area. It's like upstate New York. There's like a, a lot of like woods and land around. And I live in the country now, where there's you know bears and coyotes yeah. and fisher cats and all kinds of crazy shit. So Josh Coffin was visibly uncomfortable about just the notion of the firearms being around. <laughs> it so freaked, it freaked me out. Yeah. Too. <laughs> I mean, but so you have a lot of downtime in the studio, or you're, you're not doing anything, and someone else is, you know. So we're like. Hey, let's get our telecast. Yeah, there's a woods shoot. right behind him. Like, hey, can we set up some cans out there and, like, you know, just hang out and kill some time? So, and, and Josh is like, don't do that. And then, so, <laughs> so we had a sneaker. It was like total, like, hood rat ninth, ninth grader shit. Psst, like, psst, psst. yeah, yeah. And we're, and we're like ducking down past the windows. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then we shot our guitars. And then, and then there were gunshots that you could audibly hear from the <laughs> <Yeah>. studio. <laughs> They're at it again. So, so and it's, and it's, not, it's not that hyper rural that neighbors were miles away or yeah, anything right, like that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was more on top of a hill. Maybe it's the last whole steady record with a lot of guns around. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. There's a time and a place. but Okay, so the, the, one of the things about the whole steady, and I think this applies to most of us, um, when when we started the band, you know, Ted and I were in Lifter Puller, and... Uh, 
I and I think most of us, all, if not all of us, kind of came up with punk rock, indie, and all that. And and I know for me, uh, classic rock was sort of. Uh, I knew I knew the stuff through osmosis, but I hadn't done deep dives in a lot of things, even in things like the Rolling Stones, you know. So, like in my late twenties, as Lifter Puller was breaking up, I started going to record stores and buying like three dollar records, and you know, getting Let It Be, Let It Bleed, and uh, Exile on Main Street, and other classic rock records, which ended up kind of being some of the foundation um, of the Hold Steady sound. And but I wondered if anyone. One thing that I found was that I sort of had to put things, my own rock and roll knowledge, uh, rearrange things and understand that I'd skip certain things. So I realized, that, oh, that came first. For instance, um, one of my favorite bands was and is the Psychedelic Furs, but I had not listened to much David Bowie yet. So when I started listening to David Bowie, I was like, oh, I get it. They're doing David Bowie, you know? Um, has anyone else had that? Do, do, do you ha anyone else have that kind of rearranging of their own understanding of rock and music, Franz? I just watched a Rush documentary last week, and I didn't understand that in the early years they were such a more, much more of a straight-ahead hard rock band. And the, a Zeppelin, a very the Zeppelin, Zeppelin thing, the, like going on tour with Kiss and Cheap Trick, and it's like, oh, I, that, that contextualized where they came from for me. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly kind of the, the thing I, I'm thinking of. And, and also understanding, like, what years things came out. Um, for, you know, uh, the Kinks, Lola, um, I thought that was like a mid seventies record, but that came out in 1971, which is the year I was born. And then I, you know, there's a, there's that one song top of the pops on that record. And it sounds like a kiss, um, guitar riff. And I was like, oh man, I guarantee kiss took some of this like guitar stuff from that song. Kiss started in what? 72, 73. And so piecing those together is, is, is very interesting, uh, to me. I don't know if, if, um, uh, and, and I, it's, it's something that still goes on. For instance, also Lou Reed, like, you know, thinking about, oh, Bob Dylan. Um, I guess Lou Reed wouldn't have been doing Lou Reed if there wasn't Bob Dylan talking fast. Right. Um, so with all that thought, I have a couple other classic rock kind of questions. And this is a big one. <laughs> Do any of the five of you guys like the doors? What? <laughs> no way, Gottlieb. Uh, I, yeah, man. I like him on a song. I, I, I like. <laughs> no, but I, I, I won't turn off like the the throwaway pop shit. Any anything that is not gonna make somebody think that he's a poet, man. Yeah. He's a shaman. <clears throat> um, and I like them from an LA. Session as somebody who's interested in session work and studio and technology, I like them from a Los Angeles recording. Mm -hmm. Like I like the way, like I heard Riders in the Storm, and I was like, this fucking record sounds great. Yeah, you know, but like, but it's the Morrison thing. I just can't get with. But I don't, I don't own any albums. But yeah, I don't either. But I think you know, it's funny because I think had we been up here 15 years ago and done this, I would have been like, fuck those guys and yeah. that. They, 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 you know, whatever strong opinions. And now I'm like, I don't know what's, what, you know, what's so bad about them. I think what what seems to be what people respond to or react to is what other people think or say about the yeah. doors and aren't, aren't thinking about it necessarily super objectively or critical of like, let's just look at the talent here. It might, it might be my next podcast because I've been thinking a lot so much about the doors because I, at some point it became a very kind of basic indie opinion to like really hate the doors yes, and like I, the doors or the Eagles or and whatever. I can't, I can't tell if it was the Val Kilmer movie of that, like made them sound, you know, I mean, people can like what they like, but I feel like the doors it, it's, it's just everyone. Oh, you know, not liking the doors is a badge of honor for a lot of kind of indie people. Or Steely and, Dan Gottlieb. And, and, but, <laughs> but, but the doors in particular, and I was thinking, um, you know, and I, I've, I actually have come around to really like The Doors. I, the Soft Parade record especially. Uh, I did an interview when in like the mid-2000s uh, where somehow I said I hated The Doors. And it ended up on my goddamn Wikipedia page. 
And I had to thank you. I had Brendan help me get it off of there because my opinion has changed. And I'd like to use this, uh, you know, uh, historical document to say I like the doors. But here's my thing. My thinking on them is when you're talking about like the druggy shaman poet. That's what I like. <laughs> like, and I like Elvis, and I like Glenn Danzig, right. and I like Echo and the Bunnymen, and I like Julian Casablancas from The Strokes. Those are like the people that Jim Morrison's kind of like in some mind. And if you and you were talking about kind of recontextualizing things, Joan Didion wrote a big piece on on Jim Morrison and the Doors that of you know when it was current, and and it's it's fascinating to see that you know she was taken by this. Uh, you know, uh, handsome, devilish, uh, shaman poet, druggy guy. Yeah. You know, which I mean, I those that's who I want to hang out. I with. know when I dislike something or the strong or I have a strong reaction to it, I try to kind of step back for a second. Like, all right, what am I? What am I responding? What am I reacting yeah, to yeah. here? Because it's probably not this. It's like something else that like. Well, and I, and, I th and I think people in their twenties react react way yeah. strong way more strongly to music like this is absolute garbage or like this is the best thing ever and like a lot of things are just kind of like either you peep certain people enjoy it or certain people don't right because it's, it's it, it becomes more about your identity what you like or for you sure don't like yeah, when yeah, you're yeah, younger yeah, yeah. i'm not if if someone enjoys the doors it doesn't mean i yeah. can't right. associate or like have a drink with them it's <laughs> yeah. like it's all right what know? do you think uh, people in their 20s now think about the doors i like, I actually, who? That's a good I think question. they don't yeah, think yeah. about them I mean, at all. These are the music think. of middle-aged men, but yeah. Not much thinking about yeah. them. They probably don't think the movie's that good. Um, <laughs> so here, okay, so, uh, and we've talked about this a little bit, but I'm, I'm, I, I want to open it to discussion. Our song, Sketchy Metal, from the first record, um, has brought this up not that long ago. But when I was growing up, there were some really scary heavy metal guys around. At some point, heavy metal guys stopped seeming scary was it because i was young and i was scared of a lot of things or were metal dudes actually scary back then and because now they seem very nerdy and more concerned with arguing about like subgenres of metal <laughs> am i imagining that they were scary or did they at some point stop being scary i think they were scary anyone else i i, I think they were scarier back then why do you think that stopped I mean, that's that's part of it. Just kind of like the record. It's like, no, man, that's like dark doom or whatever. Like, that's not a scary conversation. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and it became a hipster taste. Yeah. Right. right. When, when, yeah. Once Pitchfork starts covering Scandinavian black metal, it's not going <laughs> to appeal to dirtbags, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's it. I, I also think, yeah, like it, it, it doesn't it doesn't appeal to to, you know, uh, uh um, real dirt bags anymore, yeah. you know? I, I wonder, too, if it had something to do with how, especially back then, how you discovered music or discovered what you like or were into, where it's a completely different process now. Um, and, and in order to find some of that stuff, you had to really go look for it. Yeah. Um, where now, uh, you know, you just have to look for it, but in a different way, and it's more accessible. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and because you know, I mean, grunge killed metal right, right around the time that the internet came out, and like, you know, it, it sort of went underground, uh, and then there was just like you had more of a techie, yeah, you know, yeah. IT aspect to to consuming and finding it. Okay, so here, this is another question in my list of cultural questions. Um, speaking of grunge, um, from the seventies and then into, you know, um, seventies rock was kind of, uh, the basis for grunge. But when I think about grunge in the nineties, um, there were a lot of guys on stage that would take their shirts off. And I actually remember in the nineties going to a fair amount of shows where people in the audience, like dudes took their shirts off when it got too hot. You know, when did the shirts come back on? <laughs> When common sense reared its head, <laughs> uh, give me a year. Well, I mean, for those people. I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm sure. I think Andy, when, Anthony Anthony metabolism slowed down. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, like uh, it can get pretty hot at a show, I, and not many dudes have their shirts off anymore. Um, right, right. I don't. Is uh, Dave Navarro wearing a shirt again? Like really, I'm, I don't think he is. Yeah, but but I mean, okay, but those are those are guys who've kind. Of, that's kind of their trademark, but. Uh, when do you think, was it the late 90s? I mean, is it is it like pavement or something? And people are like, you know what? Let's just keep our shirts on. Yeah. Uh, 
Are you talking about people in the crowd or people on stage? Well, both. I mean, I think one begets the next. Um, but I mean, a lead singer with a shirt off. When's the last, you know, is, is there still We shirt? had that guy in Australia that took his shirt off during oh, the God. show. So it's still happening. He was an outlier. There was someone in London with their shirt off in yeah. the show, but isn't I, it sort of the same thing you were just saying? Like the, the bands were looking at '70s hard rock acts for inspiration, and yeah. having a shirtless front man is a '70s hard rock thing to do. And yeah. So once you move away from that, that's not part of the inspiration anymore. That's that's probably true. Although I would say a hard, uh, '80s hardcore um, wasn't really looking to Led Zeppelin when they were re reacting against, but yeah. you know, Rollins certainly, Oh, uh, I couldn't wear a shirt. I saw a, uh, a video of Fugazi doing waiting room and it's like, you know, it's a Fugazi show. So it's like very egalitarian and it's just a bunch of, no one has a shirt on. They're just going like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I feel like Guy always took a shirt off yeah. too. Right. Yeah. Do you think, um, like when indie rock is so-called kind of got a real foothold that it kind of tamped down the machismo a little bit, which that's what I, that's what I'm wondering, you know, if like Weezer and things like that yeah. came and said, you know, it's not, it, you know, being Robert Plant isn't, yeah. isn't the thing. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm Craig Finn. Here on That's How I Remember It, we often talk about music. So I wanted to mention DistroKid and their new app for iPhone and Android. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. Over a million artists rely on DistroKid to get their music into Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. With this app, you can sign up and pay for a new DistroKid account or sign into an existing one. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties, edit your account details, check your streaming stats, add lyrics and song credits, edit release metadata, and so much more. The DistroKid app is now available on iOS and Android. Go to the app or play store to download it. All right. So uh, how about some audience questions? Anyone have a question? Uh, and also, if, if you can, and if, if you already have your hand up and you uh, already, it's fine. But uh, if you can make it somewhat about memory and creativity or uh, twist it in some way that it applies somewhere in the ballpark. Uh, all the way back in the yellow. Yeah, so yes. he's asking about a show um, in 2008 in Billings, Montana. Uh, uh, we played with the loved ones, and it was a MySpace secret show. Yeah, and uh, Craig, when you guys come out for your encore, I kissed you on the cheek. <laughs> oh, that's a big no-no. <laughs> do I remember? I do not remember that. Um, uh, I was kissing. No. Um, I do, oh, I do remember the show. Um, I remember the show in Billings, Montana in 2008 with the loved ones. And if I remember right, we went to a bar. Does it, I wonder if these guys remember this. And this is actually, you bring something up because this is an interesting question about like, um, I wanted to, the idea of um, when you play all these shows, whether you remember something like that or it's just another show and then you get in the bus and you roll on. Obviously, I don't remember the kiss on the cheek. I do remember going to a bar not far from where we played and it was really hostile. Um, and the guy, I ordered a beer and he said, and the bartender said, well, here you go. You can have this one and then you can get right on along. <laughs> um, and... Uh, and uh, there was like a, um, yeah, like a pretty like um, uh, rough crowd in there. And uh, and they um, and maybe like I was sort of on I as I stayed there and kind of drank the beer as fast as I could. <laughs> I got kind of like a, a maybe like a white power kind of vibe from some of the uh, uh, guys in there. Wow. And um, uh, I can't remember who was with me. I, w I went to gone there alone, but I think we were in a small group and it was like. Uh, leave. So I do. That's that's the kind of thing that gets etched in your memory. But yeah. So yeah. Uh, any another? Uh, right there. Uh, okay. So he's asking about um, an early show we played. It was at Lola's, which is in the same building as the Crystal Ballroom, and uh, it D was one of the right? yeah. It yeah. was one of the wildest shows we've ever played. And actually, in, if you saw my phone. Uh, I have the notes. I'll tell you, this is kind of funny, though, because memory does not exactly hold because I called it Jillian's in my notes. Um, 
but uh, it was at Lola's, and, and I, that's what I meant. And that still, I think, was one of the wildest told stories. It was a really wild show. I mean, people were like falling into us, and uh, yeah, that's. I remember seeing the crowd just kind of like it was vague. It was vaguely scary. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was. And they they have the like sort of curtain barricades set up in certain spots. Yeah, to, yeah, rope I, off, and those would get knocked over. It's funny I believe, because I didn't remember that at all until you said it, and now it's like. Oh, I remember yeah. there being a, um, a, a, a either a, a tiny stage or a no st- or a no stage. It's like maybe a, yeah, it's like six inches or something. So, do you remember that show, Franz? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it was yeah, it was it was wild. I mean, I I can think of um, I can think of like there was a show in at the Beachland Ballroom in Cleveland where that I think is the only time we've stopped a show for fighting. Um, like like and and. Yeah, and there were, and we just uh, like they there were there's all these fights and I, I eventually we like I think stopped a song and said everyone's got to just chill out you know um, so that's that was like bad wild the Lolos was good wild um, but I think actually in that positive rage liner notes I think I tr- went to tr- I tried to recreate the tour from memory I remember that it was due the artwork was due and the manager was on me and I went before we were in Wolverhampton in UK. And I went to this terrible like um, Weatherspoons pub, you know, like like just like. And um, I remember getting a pint and an order of fries, and sitting there and being like, "I got to write this before the show." And I sat there and I had the tour dates and I tried to write like every memory. So you know, I guess I've been interested in my uh, imperfect memory for a long time now. Another question uh, up front. Um, yeah, it depends. Uh, so he's asking me if, I, if how I remember the, uh, the lyrics to all the songs because there are a lot, and some nights are better than others. Um, uh, it's funny. I think I'm worse at it the more songs we add to the catalog. But generally, things go better if I don't think about it and muscle memory. Uh, if, if it's songs that like you know, like last night we played, say like Stevie Nicks, would, or or last night we opened with Positive Jam, which we played. You know, it's the first song on the first album. If I don't think about it, it'll be fine. I'll get all those words. If I start to think about, well, what's coming next? That's trouble. Um, so it's, it is a muscle memory. The one thing I do if we're like trying to do a new album, um, you know, where I haven't had that, those repetitions, um, I can write it, uh, write it down and then flip the page and then write it again and then flip the page. And through that act of putting pen to paper, oftentimes it kind of locks it in. Oh yeah, yeah. So, what are your tricks for? Me- what are everyone's tricks for memorizing songs? I mean, I, I cue on you a lot, which which you're often, you know. Oh, am I too loud in the monitors? I'm like, you're never too loud because, yeah. you know, it's 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 kind of difficult to be like, oh, that pre-chorus happens two times this time, but if Craig says, you know drug deal and right you know right right before and then that it's doesn't like, oh, really it narrow it down and then it goes right into the chorus well, yeah I, that might be confusing if you're if you're queuing up drug deal it's like is it the first one or the third one yeah. or they i was just small arbitrarily one. picking a term out of i find <laughs> public embarrassment to be really helpful <laughs> like if i yeah. if i screw up a section then i usually don't screw it up again yeah 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 uh all the way back uh in the black shirt there um, we, uh, he's asking who's responsible for backup vocals over the course of the band. Um, you know, Tad and, uh, Tad and Franz have sang most of the backup vocals almost, um, almost always more recently, Steve, uh, since he's been in the band and, uh, you know, uh, and also in the last few records, um, Josh Kaufman, the producer has brought in, um, uh, who are our friends we call the creeps um who are uh, cassandra jenkins and annie nero um and cassandra and annie have sang on my solo records quite a bit too so they they kind of uh make things a little prettier at times but uh though unless i'm missing i think something i think that's i mean the the first background vocals were on sep sunday on on uh resurrection and hood rat um and we were touring that record and at some point Bob Strakel, our sound guy at the time, was like, you guys going to get somebody to do those harmonies, you know, on, on Hood Rat? And, he, <laughs> and, uh, and I, I, think, I think I probably was like, I, could, I guess I could do it. And he just threw a mic up. And yeah, 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 that sounds right. Um, yeah. Uh, over here. When you when when we decided it was uh, you're asking when when we found out that it was going to be or when we realized the band was going to happen kind of so there was, I mean I can speak to this because it, it was for me the way I understood it was very uh, 
uh, there was a very good moment that we had this meeting at Hi-Fi, which is a place Galen used to work. And we all used to hang out a lot. It was 169 Avenue A in New York. And we were going to bump up after almost killed me to um, we we're releasing Separation Sunday and we we're going to put the record release show at the Bowery Ballroom, which is, um, you know, a bigger venue than we'd played. But we thought we could do. And I was dubious um, that we were going to be able to get the people in there. And I remember we had this meeting and uh, it was kind of like, the, the tone was kind of like, can't be shy, you gotta invite everyone from your work, you know? And, uh, and uh, then the Village Voice, we went to South by Southwest and the Village Voice put us, uh, did an article on us, put us on the cover for the first band in like a decade or something. And the show sold out like that day or the day next day. And from that point, it felt like it was off to the races to me, that's, that's my, you know, that's my version of the story. Does anyone else have? It wasn't, yeah, it kind of, I don't know, it, it kind of accelerated like pretty quickly right off the bat. I mean, you know, I mean, it's not, we weren't U2 or anything, but it was, you know, we were, we were playing bigger venues than I thought that we were gonna play ever, like pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was the second record, really. Okay, I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty quick. Sunday, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it felt quick. I actually, I, uh, the first show everyone went to on my own, I have, see, this is very tied into this, because I have a, I've always said, um, it was Sticks at the St. Paul Civic Center on the Kilroy Was Here tour, but to be honest, I actually saw um, 70s teen Ida Leaf Garrett, um, and I saw him at the Minnesota State Fair Grandstand, um, which we are, um, I will be, I have not been there since, but we will be returning on September 2nd to play a show there with Bob Mould. So it feels like a very good uh, full circle. And I don't know why I thought saying Sticks was cooler than Leif Garrett, because <laughs> Leif Garrett's acted a lot, a lot more rock and roll in his life than Dennis DeYoung. But uh, everyone else? I mean, my first concerts were kind of chaperoned, you know, like with my parents or my older sister. But the the first show that I went to intentionally on my own was uh, The Descendants and Dag Nasty uh, at the Antenna Club because it was like it wasn't like, a, OK, you're going to the arena. It was like I'm just getting dropped off and I'm going, you know, with some friends to this show. It was exciting. Yeah. Um, my, well, again, the chaperone thing is kind of tricky uh, in that I was I bought tickets to go see the Stranglers and Wall of Voodoo, and that was an all ages show. And then like the it split, and Wall of Voodoo was at a bar called the Palms in Milwaukee, which was like in a horrible neighborhood, and it was like it was it was a dark place. Uh, but but my mother my mother took me, which is super cool. And she was you know she sat in the corner like reading a magazine or whatever. <laughs> And like, I, you know, and, you know, on the ticket, it said, you know, doors at eight. And I'm just like, I'm not missing anything, man. I'm going to be there at 730. And then like <laughs> nothing, you know, nothing's wall of food went on at midnight, I'd imagine. <laughs> they didn't have a my sound mother, check my, party? Yeah, 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 yeah. My mother must have brought a lot of magazines, I guess. I don't know. Faye Polivka's been to a lot of rock shows, though. She's been, she's been to a lot of rock shows, a lot of Hold Steady shows. She's a, she's a fan, for sure. Uh, the, the first show that I went to where you know a bunch of us loaded up in a car and went uh was and i i can't remember the what was first but i i think it was um red hot chili peppers and appliances in a room that was probably half the size and and it was right after the hillel guitar player had died on the uplift mofo tour and dh Plagro was playing drums from the dead kennedys and blackburg from parliament was playing guitar um and it to this day it's it's one of the best shows i've ever seen Appliance um, is really good too. Yeah. They're like an arty Madison punk rock band. And they were playing like an advanced copy in between sets of the CD. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And I actually went up to the, and it was like first show I've been to. I don't know how to behave. And I went up to the sound guy. I was like, hey man, what is this? And he was like, it's Jane's Addiction. Wow. And it was oh. nothing, an advanced copy, nothing shocking. How about you, Bob? Uh, my first experience was. Survivor at the State Fair as well. Nice. So kind of uh, weak, really. <laughs> coming back, coming back. But, but was that was that was that chaperone? Was that with your dad? Yeah, it was a chaperone with uh, Matt Cronk. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Old high school friend. Yeah. Good. Franz. Um, my dad drove me and my buddy Ken to the Portland, Maine Civic Center to see. Uh, it was a package. It was Screaming Trees, Soul Asylum, and Spin Doctors. Nice. 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 
I, I realized that my first unchaperoned was the Kinks on one of those like a uh, you know later like come dancing kind of era, state of confusion maybe something like that. Um, anyways, I actually think this is it. Um, uh, you know, we are all we are. All, no, um, uh, I think it's time for us to move on to the next part of the day. Thank you guys all for being a part of it. Thanks to the band. Um, Thanks to the show bar for hosting us all day today. Everyone who came, everyone who um, has been a part of this whole weekend, and uh, thank you for being a part of this podcast. That's how I remember it. Um, we do have a lot of great episodes uh, that you can check out wherever you get your podcasts. Listen and subscribe. Thanks so much.